Folks, if you're liking what you're getting from 30MPC, the number one way you can support us is by subscribing to our newsletter. Every week, you only get two emails. On Monday, you get a content roll-up of everything that dropped last week. And on Fridays, I pick one topic and I personally write a deep dive on things like how to cold call, how to run a discovery call, or even how to hire an AE. So if you're liking what you're getting here, take two seconds, go to the show notes. You'll see a button to subscribe to our newsletter, or you can go to 30mpc.com backslash newsletter and do it there. We'll catch you soon. Cheers. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to this episode of 30 Minutes to President's Club. My name is Armand Farouk, and I'm here with my co-host, Nick Sigelski. And we're here with the senior AE, the captain of Being Direct, the objection-handling machine. It's Will Padilla. Nick, why should people listen? A lot of salespeople spend their entire career being subservient to their buyer and getting their kicked in every interaction with a customer and will is a master of being direct and getting himself on equal footing with the customer and so i highly recommend you listen to how he challenges and pushes back and tells the buyer when they are making mistakes and the three two one you are making a mistake if you stop now Today's tip to optimize your sales day is brought to you by Boomerang. If you get an email and the action required on that email is going to take you less than two minutes to do, do it on the spot. It's not worth adding it to your to-do list, having to look at the item, remember what you need to do. That's going to take you more than two minutes anyway. So do it on the spot, get it off your plate. Now we documented our best templates and tips to help you optimize your sales day with our friends at Boomerang. And you can get that documentation for free at the link in the show notes. This week's actionable prospecting tactic is from Sixth Sense, who shows you the prospects who are most likely to buy so you can get more meetings with fewer activities. Personalizing cold emails requires you to only change the first paragraph in a trigger template. All you have to do is tie the research to the problem you solve in paragraph one, and then switch that out while you leave paragraphs two and three, your solution and call to action, exactly the same. And so we are giving you six of these trigger templates with our partners at Sixth Sense. The link is in the show notes. Today's deal acceleration cheat code is brought to you by Pipedrive, which is a CRM built by sellers for sellers. The best way to drive your pipeline forward is to every single day, pull up a list of all of your open opportunities and look at each opportunity by stage and think, what can I do today that will increase my likelihood of winning this deal? That's how you keep your ops moving forward in between meetings that you have on the calendar. Now, we documented five cheat codes that can help you cut your sales cycle in half with Pipedrive. There's a link in the show notes to steal them. Gong's going to help you run the five-minute drill at the end of all of your calls today. At the end of a call, pressure test the prospect with three questions. Number one, do you want to buy? If the answer is no, why set a next step at all? Number two, when do you want to buy? If it's tomorrow, we got to move fast. Number three, how do you buy? Based on the first two answers, I can now adequately decide if and how I set a next step. And this was stolen from the Gong 30 MPC 90 Minute Masterclass, and you can steal it too in the show notes. Today's tactic to triple your connect rate is brought to you by RocketReach, who provides data that lets you reach out to the right person at the right account at the right time. Every time you're reaching out to an account, pull down the contacts again. Yes, I know it sucks, but the average tech tenure is two years, which means 50% of the workforce turns over every year. So look up the account, pull anyone who was hired, and scratch anyone who was left. And one way you can pull verified and accurate data is with RocketReach. So if you like this, check out their toolkit on eight ways to triple your cold call connects in the show notes. All right, Will, welcome to the show. We start every single episode with your top three actionable takeaways. So let's get your three. 
Awesome. So, hey, my first tip is going to be um, the one week rule for sending videos over LinkedIn. So basically what that means is when you want to send a video, you're actually going to get much higher reply rate from my experience over LinkedIn than you are email. So I have my reps send a connection, put the connection's name on a spreadsheet, and then also have a date marker. When that date marker hits a week, check back and see if they've accepted your connection. Good chance they did. Once they do, you're going to want to send a video. By sending the video, you'll say a script that goes something like this. This is what I have my reps do. Hi, so-and-so. I see you're at XYZ Brand, this title. Um, I actually made you a quick video under 60 seconds, how we're helping similar job titles from similar competitor brands accomplish X, save time on Y, and get rid of Z. Would love your thoughts in this quick 60-second video. Hope to hear from you soon. Beautiful. What's number two? In tip number two, uh, basically, it's going to be to never negotiate via email. This is a quick one, and this is for all the sellers to understand that uh, you know we're humans too, and when a prospect or a buyer says jump, you don't have to say how high. So a lot of times, buyers and prospects will try to negotiate via email just because they can. So they might ask for a feature. They might ask for a lower price. So I'll simply respond. Hi, so-and-so. Appreciate the response. I don't negotiate via email as I do not view it as productive. I want this to be a win-win situation. So when can you chat or something along those lines? So I say, I want this to be a win-win outcome. Can you chat on Tuesday or Wednesday? Very nice. Round us out, Will. What's number three? Uh, Number three would be to tag team with your account executive. So in the SaaS model, it's broken up as an SDR and AE model. Um, So basically, I utilize my BDR's one-hour sessions where I have her bring her top five prospects per week that she has not yet been able to get in touch with. So I'll help her out kind of as this um, third voice. They might be used to hearing her voice or his voice, but they're not used to hearing mine. So I'll say, great, Laura, I'm going to go ahead and call them on this meeting. So I'll call and the call goes something like this. Hi, this is Will from so-and-so. I work very closely with Laura. We've been trying to get in touch with you about X, Y, and Z. Uh, We've actually sent you an email about how we're helping similar brand in your space, accomplish X, save time on Y, and eliminate Z. Um, Again, this is Will from so-and-so. No need to give me a call back here. Laura is actually going to send you an email right now with the subject line, Will just left you a voicemail. Feel free to reply that via email. No pressure in giving me a call back. Hope to hear from you soon. Already will. So in in the prep, one of the things that we learned is you are extremely direct. And I love this premise of if a prospect says jump, you don't always have to say how high. Okay. One place this will oftentimes happen is to your point, it's when someone's asking for pricing, whether live or oftentimes they'll be asking for pricing on the very first call. And so if someone earlier than you expect is asking you for pricing and just trying to get a quote out of you, my guess is you're not just saying, no, you can never have this quote. Right? How do you handle someone in that moment? Right. So if someone's asking price, I'm going to give it to them, but I'm going to give them a range. So I'll say, hey, for the price, you can expect from here to here. And I'll simply pause with no explanation of why that range is that range and get their reaction. I'm trying to get out of them what is, what's expensive to you, what's not. I'm not playing games here. I just gave you a range. So let's figure out what your range is. Because if you're going to start asking questions, I want to understand what's high to you, what's low to you, what did you expect? Are you conditioned from other competitors who have given you a different rate? And this is now surprising. And so 
I love this because a lot of times sellers will barf up. These are all of the factors that impact it. And I tend to do the same, right? And so you give them all the information they need, but by leaving it open-ended, you actually force them to explain where they are already anchored, right? And so let's say that, well, you give me a range of, we'll call it some preposterous range of 10 to $100,000. And I go, well, that's a really big range. And you mirror me. And I say, well, well, look, I mean, I, I've looked at a lot of your competitors and a lot of your competitors are at the 30 grand range. And so if we're in the bottom of that range, we're good. If you're going to charge me 100 grand, like it's absolutely crazy. And so what do you do once I finally give you some skin in the game and I explain where I'm anchored? Right. So I totally validate you and I'd say, got it. I totally understand where you're coming from. So it sounds like price is a priority. And from what you've been conditioned to in the past from other softwares, this price seems a bit high. Totally get that. And so I just gave you a range. That being said, typically the next step would be to schedule a custom pricing call. On a custom pricing call, we can walk through exactly what you're looking for, the variables and the plan that you need, and we could come to a conclusion that ideally would be a win-win. So what I'm doing there is I'm getting commitment because what a lot of sellers do is they'll say, oh, my range is this. Well, it comes with this feature and you're going to get this. And you're going to get that. And well, the price is uh, this way because the buyer has everything they need to ghost you. You do not want to be ghosted. You want commitment from the prospect. So let's play a game. They want a custom price. I want a second call to give and take. Yeah. So what you're doing is you're actually invoking a rule of reciprocity there where customer asks you for the price and you're not hiding it from them. You're giving them the information that they asked for, but not the entire story, right? They probably need more information just beyond the dollar value um, terms, for example, uh, related to that price. And they're going to want that information, but because they're asking you for something, you have the right to ask questions back around their expectations, where they're anchored. Did they get that from a competitor? And now you're bringing yourself back on equal footing. So let's, let's take this a little bit further. Will, one other thing that happened as part of that is you did not explicitly engage in this long competitive rant around how you're a premium solution or how you're better, what have you. Are you saving that for the next call because you now have that information? Or at what point and how do you start engaging in the competitive battle? That's a great question. So the competitive battle is something all sellers have to deal with. You just have to know when do you want to pick that battle. Um, so I'll have to understand what solution they're on, if they're not on a solution, who else they're looking at. So I'll have to do all that proper discovery first. Um, but let's just say, you know, someone is telling me that they think XYZ and competitor is better, or why don't you have this? I know a lot of people aren't a huge fan of this, but I'm a big fan of the takeaway method. I'll say, great. So it sounds like that platform is going to solve a lot more of what you're looking for. I'd actually recommend you check them out. If anything changes, you can always hit me back and we can do a second call. So I'll, I always like to pull away because I don't like to get in this rant where I'm begging for someone's business, bashing a competitor. I just want information. I want, to, I want the prospect to understand that I'm a consultant, not a sales rep. I'm here to recommend you what is best for you. And if that is away from us, I will do so. And so a lot of times um, I'll say the line, hey, so it sounds like it's just too early for you right now for this. And they'll freak. They're like, this sales rep's not going to show me the demo. How dare he? So they'll go off. What do you mean? Show me the tool. I mean, 
I'm just telling you, it sounds like it's too early. These are the factors I'm hearing. Based on what you said, recommend this. And what's crazy is they get this, I can't believe this sales rep isn't doing this. And what is he not showing me? So I'll have Mm -hmm. buyers flip script in the middle of a rant at me. I can't believe you won't show me the tool. Like, fine. You know what? I know what I said. I can, I can make budget for this. Let, let, show me the tool. I can make budget for this. Let's see if it can happen. And I'll show them the tool and I'll, I'll do multiple takeaways throughout, but Hey, you know, this feature here, I think it could be really great for you. But you know, as you mentioned, uh, you just don't have the budget. Oh no, we're going to make budget. This is cool. We're going to make it happen. And it always happens. Or I'll have someone, I'll say, go to that competitor. And then they're like, fine, I'll go to that competitor. They leave the call. They might leave, they might drop the call. I'll get a message from them two days later. Hey, Will, I'd love to talk to so I'd love to talk to you again. I talked to that competitor. It didn't really work out. So to pull it up, earlier in the interview, you did something where instead of giving someone price on the spot, right, you used price as the gate to set a next step. And the reason for that is you recognized buying intent. And so you want to continue to rope that prospect in, right? But you're actually doing the opposite when you explicitly don't see buying intent. In other words, if you get someone who's saying, I don't have budget, I don't have pain points, this is a nice to have, but I want to see your software, right? You're actually creating another gate to get them to show that buying intent. In other words, you need to earn the right to see a proposal. You need to earn the right to see software. And the way you're going to earn the right is by explaining to me why you are going to buy this thing. Is that right? That's exactly right. And And it's fun. Will, one of the places that even before a sales cycle, you might not have that leverage is when you're cold calling. And I know you also have some pretty direct ways that you handle objections over the phones. And so one of the most common objections that you'll get that is a similar gating effect to the one that we talked about is people will say, send me an email or give me a summary of what you do, right? And it really just feels like a SWAT. And we all know that no one actually wants to see that email. And so what do you do when someone says, well, just send me some information. I'd be happy to look at it. Yeah, I'd say, hey, so-and-so, I get it's a cold call. I get you didn't want to take this call. I know it was out of the blue here. But what exactly would you like in that email? And Got it. Hey, an overview, a case study or something like that. Totally get it. Hey, typically, and I'm not labeling you as such, and I might be misreading this, but typically when someone tells me that, they're just trying to brush me off the phone. If you feel that's you, that's totally okay. But here's exactly why I was calling. Would there be someone better to speak to about this? And then I try and figure that out. I like that. You're doing the disarmingly blunt approach where you're calling out what's actually happening. If you sense it, say it. But then you're reorienting back around your value proposition or problem proposition of the reason that you called them specifically. How about if they're like, I don't take cold calls? I say, I don't take cold calls. Got it. So when's a better time to chat? one of the toughest objections that I'll oftentimes get is someone will just be like, oh, I'm not interested, right? And it's clear they weren't even listening in the first place. And so what do you do when someone's just trying to swat you out? Hey, got it. Not interested. What are you interested in? That's so good. <laughs> I really like that, actually. One of the things that I'm actually really impressed by, Will, and, and folks listening to the interview might not appreciate it because you're listening to a tape delay, is 
Like I'm asking you the objection and you've got the response right away. Like it's clearly drilled into your head to the point that there's no hesitation or delay. And I think that's important because when you are making cold calls, you're in this emotionally turbulent space. I don't care how long you've been selling. It's hard when you get punched in the face with, ah, I'm just not interested. Right. But if you expect yourself to be able to think through how to respond to those things in real time, you're screwed. But because you have that drilled into your brain, it's like a reflex. That's why you're probably nailing your cold prospecting. Will, there's right. one more scenario that I want to ask you about that was in the prep doc. And it's when you're on a discovery call with a customer and they don't want you to show a slide deck. Oh, and yeah. I have struggled with this one because in my last sales job, I was like sort of mandated, here's the deck you have to go through every time to frame the problem. And I had a lot of resistance because my customers had a lot of resistance to seeing a slide deck. So how are you teeing up the slide deck? In it? And then what is the customer saying when they resist it? And then how are you sort of overcoming that or, or being direct to say, you're going to see this thing? Yeah, well, I'm like you. I, I'm in the same position where I have a slide deck that's, you know, I wouldn't say mandated, but it's, hey, this is company policy. This is how we run things. Yeah. We need you to share the slide deck. So when a, a lot of times a prospect will say, I don't need to see a slide deck. Let's just go to the demo. I yeah. call it out. I'm very direct. Again, they don't run the show. Like it's a, it's a two way street. So I'll say, Hey, just going to state this. I view that would be a huge mistake. Um, typically when sharing our narrative deck, it'll actually save a lot more questions that you might bring up in the demo by going over our narrative. What they say is, all right, cool. Let's go through it. Because they also don't want to waste time. They also yeah. don't want to have weird questions come up that they missed in the narrative deck. The three things that I pulled out from what you did there, your tone was extremely confident and direct. You were like, this is natural to be, hey, you're making a mistake. You actually challenged them and called out, this would be a mistake, which is important because very few salespeople actually say that. And then you finished by framing the reason that following the course of action you want to was beneficial. This is going to save time in the demo. And so because you were confident, because you called out, this is an error, this is a mistake, this is a concern, and then you gave them a, here's why, it's extremely tough to say no to that. Well, I actually want to jump all the way back to what we covered in the beginning of the, of the interview, which was your actionable takeaway around not giving price over email, right? And making sure that you wanted to land on a win-win. One of the things that oftentimes happens is you get onto these proposal calls, and especially today, if you finally give them that ultimate pricing amount of 50K or 100K, people are puking all over it. And there are a lot of sellers who are bending over backwards and giving 50% discounts left and right. And so let's say you get onto the call, you walk them through the proposal and you hit them with the 50K number, right? And they freak out. My guess is you also have a direct answer for this. So what do you do in that moment when someone flips out and thinks you should be half the price? Yeah. So that happens all the time. So what you don't want to do as a seller is do what you said of the, oh, I'll give you a 50% discount or I'll do this. You don't want to do anything. You want to share your standard pricing, wait for a reaction. When the reaction comes, then understand, as you said, 50K is too much. What do you mean by too much? Well, we had budgeted this. Well, who gave you that budget? Is there any flexibility? Let's, let's, go, let's go deeper. But what I'll do is I'll say, got it. So it sounds like this price is too high. Would you agree with that? Okay, great. So here's what I'm going to need from you. I can go to bat for you and get you a custom plan. Most likely. I'd have to ask, but most likely. Here's what my VP is going to ask. He's going to ask a couple questions. One, when can you sign? 
Two, would you be open to, and this is where you want to get, you want to get, would you be open to a case study? Would you be open to a webinar in your six months of contract or 12 months of contract? So I'm down to go, go to bat for you, but here's the two things that I need from you. And nine times out of 10, they're down to play ball. I can sign this week. And yeah, I'm down to do a case study. Show me the best rate you got. And I say, got it. I'll hit you back via email with the rate that my VP approves. You don't ever want to promise anything on the call. You want a get to then give them a discount. So in that scenario, you are going back to your VP or you know that you have a certain rate that you're approved at. Let's say the price you presented was 50K. How do you choose where to price them at when you come back to them? So at the 50K mark, I'm going to say, got it. This is the plan that you want to go with, correct? The price Mm -hmm. is just the issue. So I I want to nail down that that's the plan they want. Because, for example, as sales reps, we have a bunch of different plans. But if they have the problem with the plan that you're talking about, the 50K, I want to nail down that that is the plan they want. But the only issue is the price. So that's it. Price is the issue. Now let's start to play ball. You're going to give me a signature by this week. You're going to give me a case study. Or you're going to give me a customer referral. And my VP, we can make something custom for you. Very nice. Well, Will, we're running out of time here. And so we got to move ourselves to the uh, the final question. And so the last question is this. We've talked about a lot of really great things salespeople should be doing. Now I got to ask you about a shouldn't. So the last question is, what is one bad habit you see a lot of salespeople exhibiting that you think they need to break because it hurts them more than it helps? Cool. Hey, so the one mistake I see a lot of sales reps make, and this goes for both AEs and BDRs, is to stop saying it doesn't work. You have to ask yourself, are you actually giving it an honest try? If you sent 10 videos and you say, oh, it doesn't work, I'm going to stop, send 100 more. I mean, seriously, you have to give yourself a good sample method. And the it doesn't work line, in my opinion, comes from a lot of victim mentality in sales. You can't be a victim. You got to be the a boss of your own day. And you got to say, it didn't work because it may not have worked because. And let's tweak some things. You can't just say blanket statements of it doesn't work because that's going to be detrimental for your sales career. Boom. Will, thank you so much for joining us. Everybody stick around for a 60 second recap coming up soon. This actionable competitive tactic from Clue is the trap question. Steer discovery toward the winning zone. If we're competing with a podcast that has no newsletter or webinar series, we might ask a trap question like, how do you figure out if those podcast listeners are making their way to your mailing list? And when you're in a head-to-head, there's no better way to prepare for your next competitive battle than with our trap questions and battle card templates from our friends at Clue. The link's in the show notes. Today's prospecting tip is brought to you by Woodpecker. When you're sending a sales email, you generally want to avoid putting punctuation in the subject line. If you've got an exclamation point, it makes it seem like you're shouting at them. Look at this amazing offer. And a question mark just smells salesy. So avoid punctuation. Now, if you want to steal my full sales cadence from my friends at Woodpecker, there's a link in the show notes for you to go get it and try it for free. Your Zoom Info actionable insight tactic is called Jane's Moving Up. Why? Because that's the email subject line you'll use when you get a real-time notice that your prospect Jane just got promoted. From there in the email, explain how ZoomInfo helps rising sales leaders win their first 90 days on the job by highlighting coaching opportunities or supporting a team-wide prospecting push. And you can try out this trigger-based email template for prospect promotion and four other scenarios inspired by ZoomInfo's go-to-market plays. Link in the show notes.
Your top four takeaways from this episode with Will Padilla include number one, when you're asked for price, give a range, but that's it. Don't explain how it works until they explain where they are anchored within that range. Number two, if you're getting ongoing buying objections or you get someone who's just sort of being lukewarm, all you need to do is hit them with, it sounds like this is just too early for you, and then make them explicitly opt in to the sales cycle. Number three, if someone says, send me some information, ask what they want to see, then explain that most of the time, this usually just means that they don't want to talk to you anymore. Is there someone else we should be talking to? Or are you the right person? And then lastly, number four, before giving any discounts, get clear commitment on timing. And if it's not a clear commitment, make it abundantly clear that if there is a slip, it starts back at standard pricing. All righty, Nick, how could people help us out? It would be meaningful if you left 30 Minutes to President's Club a review because I like reading reviews of the show. You can say things about my high voice. You can say things about Armand's pleasant demeanor. You could say things about the stuff you've learned on the show, but I need something to do over the holidays, which is when we're recording this episode. So please give us a review and we'll see you next week on 30 Minutes to President's Club. This week's actionable prospecting tactic is from Sixth Sense, who shows you the prospects who are most likely to buy so you can get more meetings with fewer activities. Personalizing cold emails requires you to only change the first paragraph in a trigger template. All you have to do is tie the research to the problem you solve in paragraph one, and then switch that out while you leave paragraphs two and three, your solution and call to action, exactly the same. And so we are giving you six of these trigger templates with our partners at Sixth Sense. The link is in the show notes. Gong's going to help you run the five-minute drill at the end of all of your calls today. At the end of a call, pressure test the prospect with three questions. Number one, do you want to buy? If the answer is no, why set a next step at all? Number two, when do you want to buy? If it's tomorrow, we got to move fast. Number three, how do you buy? Based on the first two answers, I can now adequately decide if and how I set a next step. And this was stolen from the Gong 30 MPC 90-Minute Masterclass, and you can steal it too in the show notes.